The CFB Winning Edge podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. You can support this show by visiting patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge and joining as a Tier 1 supporter. Join Tier 2 to receive access to our 2020 FBS team profiles, which include over 150 pages of player, coach, and team performance information, and team projections updated daily to reflect injuries, transfers, personnel moves, and schedule updates. Welcome back to the CFP Winning Edge Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I'm joined, as always, by Nicholas Ian Allen, the owner and proprietor of CFP Winning Edge. Follow him on the Twitter at CFP Winning Edge and Xavier at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E on the Twitter machine. And today, we're going to be taking a little bit of a detour. We have been previewing conferences, 1P5, 1G5, but because all of the pertinent news with the schedule changes and things like that, that is going to be what we are talking about on the show today so uh but let's start out nick how is the weekend how are you taking in all of this news and uh how's everything going up in the the northeast for you uh overall i mean from the from the weekend not too much to complain about actually got out of the house for uh, a few hours took a, a trip up to a local lake and did some paddle boarding there which was nice today's been a bit of a day the uh internet was out all day which Basically, you know, puts me to a halt. Is Nick changed our schedule six times. I did. I up, did. We wound I up recording just, at the exact same time. Yeah, we all yeah. yeah that's that's uh, my my bad guess. But uh, you know, <laughs> failure to plan is planning to fail. So I wanted that's to right. make sure we were that's right. good to go. But uh, yeah, so so you know, everything is is back on track, and and fortunately, sort of the the way we have things set up, at least as far as our FBS team profiles, we're kind of I think somewhat unique we can we can adjust relatively quickly so when a lot of the news broke on you know the big 10 moving to uh you know getting rid of non-conference games and and the pac-12 uh the following day was able to update the schedule portion and and our projections we'll talk a little bit about that you know within the last uh or excuse me within about 90 minutes of of that news we were up and uh fully updated so I feel pretty good about that. And and if you're a supporter, of course, uh, hopefully that provides some value to you. But uh, how are how are you guys doing? Yeah, Xavier, how is how's Georgia treating you? Not too bad, Um, but this week I don't have a phone, so I'm a millennial Uh, without a phone. You can only imagine how that's been for me. So that's why I didn't get. Uh, Yeah, I had to shit my phone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had to shit my phone in to get repaired in Apple. Uh, due to coronavirus, isn't giving out loan phones, so um, I'm just phoneless at the moment. Oh. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that, so that gives me anxiety. It, it, like I don't. Mm. It, oh, you better text everyone you know when you get your phone back. Like you're gonna, yeah. it's gonna say like three thousand missed texts for you. I mean, I would have like nine missed texts, but you, you probably <laughs> have because you're of a younger age and more friends. I'm sure. You probably have uh, three thousand missed texts by the time you get it back. That's insane, man. Uh, you know, I, just, I can't imagine your life without a phone. Right. The scariest part about it is the place I took my phone to, the Mac store that I took my phone to, was like thirty miles from my house, and I didn't know where I was. So getting back without a GPS was like, all right, time to read signs. Okay, yeah. How do we get back home? 
So he, he had to know. pull over at a gas station and ask somebody something. You know, like, uh, I, uh, listen, this is going to sound weird. They're going to be like, get out of here. We don't know who you are. There's no phone having person. Is this an alien? Get out of here. We don't know who you are with no phone. Uh, even homeless people have phones. What are you doing without one? Come on. You, we'll sell you one. We sell them here. Want to exactly. buy one? Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what they would have sell me a Blackberry. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I had a Blackberry once. Yeah, see, I mean, I never had a Blackberry, but Nick and I are in that range of people oh, yeah. who possibly well, I was just thinking, right, right. Blackberry. I was just thinking, like, I am old enough to remember, like, having the map in the car, like, pull it yeah. out and, and flip through and, and look at it. But, but also, it came up in conversation not too long ago. Map quest, you know that that was oh, yeah. You print that out was the, the, the greatest thing. You print it out, and you're like, wow, ten my miles. Mom, take a right. Oh my goodness, this my is mom amazing. Printed out maps. She went on her first road trip in a while with one of her friends. Uh, flew in from Houston, and uh, they went up to the Grand Canyon, and and then uh, over to Laughlin or Vegas or somewhere in Nevada. But um, and she printed out maps. I'm like, mom, you own a phone, and I pay for her phone. I'm like, it, it costs a lot of money every month, and I know it works. So just use the maps on your phone. Please learn. I'm paying so much for this. Yeah. You know, so. And paying uh, for so, those printer cartridges, too, man. Those yeah, yeah. Well, she pays for that. I ain't paying for printer cartridges. Are you kidding me? I, I own uh, the printer. To buy a printer costs less than to go and buy a cartridge. So I, I am, uh, yeah, I don't print stuff. No, No, thank you. I'm fine. But, uh, I mean, we got some news and notes to hit before we dive into the complicated stuff here. So let's uh, get into that stuff, and let's start out with your team, guys. Georgia, JT Daniels was awarded immediate eligibility at Georgia for the 2020 season. Jamie Newman is expected to start, but Daniels is a former five-star recruit, so it looks like uh, things are getting a little fuzzy in Georgia. And we talked about this a little bit on the ITL CFF podcast, Nick, but your thoughts on uh, JT Daniels getting immediate uh, eligibility at Georgia. Yes, yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. We, we, you and I discussed it on the CFF show yesterday, but I'm, I'm curious to see uh, what Xavier actually has to, to think about it. I'm not sure just quickly that much changes, but uh, competition probably is, is a good thing. But uh, Xavier, what, what, what are you thinking? So first and foremost, I thought it was a weird move um, from JT Daniels because I expected him to want to redshirt this year, uh, give him a year to sit in the offense, learn the offense from the sidelines, uh, and give himself a year to kind of get acclimated. Um, but what it does do is it does bolster the quarterback room. So now, you know, knock on wood, if for any reason Jamie Newman would have a nick, an injury, something rather, he can play. Um, so it does give you that option. It just was weird to me because I felt like JT Daniels was slotted in for the quarterback of 2021, not the quarterback of 2020. Um, but, hey, I, I love competition. He's no Tate Martell, so he's not running away from it. Um, and and I, I don't have any problem with it. Um, I, I, <laughs> I think Cheap that, shot. Uh, I, I heard it. Cheap shot. Yeah, got to. Got to. Um, but I think, I, I think ultimately it's a move for him to get in and get some competition right away. I don't think he'll win the job. I think. Jamie Newman has it all wrapped up, which is why I thought he was going to be so ready to sit out this year. Uh, but I think he just wants to give himself an opportunity to try and play. You never know. He might come into fall camp and really ball out and force the hand of Kirby Smart to make a decision. Yeah, it's yeah. really uh, about being a competitor. 
is what I said on ITLCFF. Like it doesn't, I'm with you. It's weird. It would make sense, especially with this weird season of what's going on, you know, to just take a year off, let the senior play out his, his season and go. But the uh, guy wants to play. So uh, you got to respect that having the fire and wanting to play. So, so the way I understand it, and first I thought it was kind of weird that he wasn't immediate, immediately eligible anyway, mm-hmm. because he, did redshirt last year. So he, he started in 2018, got hurt in the season opener uh, last year. And then, you know, because he didn't meet the, the four games did redshirt. So I'm not sure anything would have necessarily changed for his long-term eligibility. Had he, had he, you know, been denied a waiver or not applied for a waiver or, or what have you. And my guess is because he uh, only missed, the, the one year, at least so far, and hopefully that's going to be the case because of uh, injury. He, he probably wouldn't be at this point eligible for a, a sixth year. So I think unless he has some other major injury uh, at some point in the future, that wouldn't necessarily be a, a mm-hmm. you know, a, a consideration. So I think this probably just seems like a bonus. I mean, you know, we, we didn't necessarily, uh, they didn't expect him to be, eligible but now that he is you know maybe he's still not projected to be the starter but uh could get some you know experience on the field in a blowout situation or if they decide for whatever reason that he you know gives them a better option or or maybe a series uh Mm -hmm. once or twice you know every every uh few quarters or, or whatever it is people do different things but uh it, i don't know it's kind of it's kind of weird but it it uh i think at the very least the two of them in practice will push one another compete yeah. and my my estimation of it is that newman is still probably a pretty heavy favorite to uh be the starter this year but uh having daniels available you know depth is definitely a good thing and, and he's a talented player with uh hopefully a, a pretty bright future but yeah i think i think newman's probably uh, the guy right going to be the guy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it looks like Newman will be the guy, but uh, you know, like like Xavier said, he gets hurt, uh, he mm-hmm. underperforms, whatever it is. Uh, we, we've got him, uh, you know, we, we've got uh, uh, JT Daniels right there to take over, and also uh, Jalen Gill, the former uh, four-star recruit going to Ohio State, transferring into Boston College was granted immediate eligibility as well. So uh, looks like he'll be able to play immediately. Yeah, that one seems like a, a really big deal. I mean, Gil was, a, I believe, a top 30 recruit or, or thereabouts. So a fringe five-star guy who was probably in line to get a decent amount of playing time with uh, Ohio State, you know, losing some guys to, to graduation uh, this year, but to go into Boston college, I would expect he's going to be penciled into that starting lineup, you know, immediately. And it's, it's particularly weird for Boston college because, uh, Phil Dracovic, the quarterbacks still hasn't heard uh, about his eligibility. And I believe he transferred first. And then there are other, I mean, I think, uh, was it Gatewood who, who left from Auburn to Kentucky in what October mm-hmm. last year still hasn't mm-hmm. heard whether or not he's going to get a waiver. So, the, the whole process is really weird, but you know, good news for Gil, good news for Boston College for sure, because he's he's an exciting player, really, really talented. All right, Xavier, you played football recently. Do you know anything about the transfer process or what? Uh, you know, how, how does that get solved? Is there regional boards? What's the deal? So 
the weird thing about that is so with Gatewood going in conference, I know that has a whole nother series of differences and checks and balances that you have to go through. A lot of people like to call it the Saban rule. When so him going from Auburn to UK can have its own set of issues of, as to why he hasn't been granted already. Uh, for Jalen Gill moving from Ohio State to Boston College, once again probably just I can't Nick, you can tell me where did the quarterback transfer from? Notre Dame. Uh, Okay, so yeah, that I have no idea why he's why it's taking him so long. Right. It could also be an academic issue. When I transferred schools, uh, just as a student, it took you know it, it's one of those situations where if he's not academically eligible or his credits aren't haven't been over, and the issue a lot of times is is when a kid transfers schools, if the school that he was at drags their feet, that's going to drag his eligibility. Uh, so if they haven't sent over his transcripts, if they haven't sent over any of that then the school can't grant him any kind of eligibility until they have all of his stuff. That includes his financial aid and anything else. So if, unless that happens, and you also get the weird cases every now and then where a kid like rents a book from a bookstore and doesn't bring it back. And then when he transfers, he can't do anything until he pays his fees off. Oh so my God. There's, yeah, there's all <laughs> the stupid, it could be like a hundred dollar book and he won't be able to play until he pays off that fine at the, at the school he was at previously. Just the so, tediousness of that mm-hmm. cannot uh, I mean, this is uh, things like that are why I have high blood pressure. I mean, my weight doesn't <laughs> help me, but like just my anger towards little tedious nonsense or like I'm the most impatient person in the world. So standing in a line for anything, you mm-hmm. know, just drives me crazy. So waiting on an answer that long for something like that because I didn't return, you know, fundamentals to whatever. Uh, it just would make me flip a table over. So you're right, though. That's what the NCAA does. That's government work, right? So uh, that that's exactly what it is. Man, that's annoying. Uh, now we got some big time, uh, you know, transfer news here as well. Armani Rogers, a former cornerback for a quarterback for UNLV, uh, went to Ohio. So this is another one that we covered on the ITLCFF show. John, uh, John, I almost call you John because I'm going to be talking to John about this in an hour. Um, but uh, Nick, because that's your name, uh, what, what did you think about this move? I thought it, I thought it was a, a, a perfect landing spot, and it's one that didn't even cross my mind when we talked about it last week. I think we, we found out Rodgers was going to transfer – you know, hours before we recorded last week and, and we were kind of speculating about, oh, well, will he potentially change positions? You know, could he uh, maybe, you know, if he did play tight end, maybe a power five move or something like that. Will there be a G5 opportunity to play quarterback in Ohio because they've got Curtis Rourke, who kind of seemed like a, a smooth transition, uh, you know, following his brother as the starter. This didn't even occur to me as a possibility but but after seeing it it was like oh that makes perfect sense so that he would he would be a an incredible fit there at, at quarterback i mean they run the quarterback a lot uh he he you know isn't an a an incapable passer he certainly could uh provide some value there as well and it gets a max schedule i mean a, a guy as athletic and as big and strong as armani rogers what six five two thirty as we've said before, if he can stay healthy, man, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I, I don't know that he is the far and away favorite to win that job. I think even now I, I would say Rourke is still probably, you know, maybe 50-50 to, to hold that job. And, and you know, he was going to get some competition from some other guys lower on the depth chart as well. But, you know, on paper, 
this this is a perfect fit and and pretty exciting. I think if he can win the job, Rodgers has the potential, as always, if he stays healthy, to to really put together uh, a nice season at Ohio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Xavier, what what do you think about this move? Just him coming in to this situation, I think is really perfect for him. Uh, not knowing the, the the scheme, not knowing the play calling all too well, to have guys who know it so well. Um, this scares me for NFL draft scouts because this is the typical big guy, athletic, goes to a, a, a conference. If he explodes, this has – he could go board. Yeah. Yeah, it, all written all over it, and he'll be taken in the back half of the second uh, – back half of the first, early second rounder, and all off of one season. So NFL draft scouts, stop licking your chops. Calm down for a second. <laughs> uh, he has been constantly banged up, which is his one issue. But like you said, a lot great skill set and uh, perfect fit for this offense too. So I'm I'm excited about it. Uh, then uh, we had this news, which is this has been a roller coaster of an off season for Peyton Hendershot. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he's the tight end at Indiana. He had a uh, domestic violence potential thing happened. Um, I don't know how it got settled in court, but I know that uh, I think it's off his record now. Uh, he was welcomed back to Indiana, but they weren't letting him on the team. He was going to have a different role, but now it looks like he's in good standing with Indiana and he should be back out on the field, Nick. So a uh, very weird situation for Hendershot. Yeah, sounded like a really, really ugly situation when we first learned about it. And, and I didn't have very high hopes, you know, that, that we would see him maybe even play football again. But uh, hopefully, wh- whatever behind the scenes, and, and I, I don't know all the all the details, but it sounds like, you know, if things have been resolved to where Indiana feels comfortable welcoming, welcoming him back, uh, he's a very talented player, all Big Ten caliber player. Uh, somebody that, of course, you know, we talk CFF a lot. He, he's somebody that certainly has value uh, as a CFF player. And, and you know, he's he's a, a very good uh, receiving tight end that uh, certainly uh, gives some, you know, a boost to the Indiana offense if he's able to, to be at uh, full capacity this year, which until, you know, uh, this week, basically, uh, I still wasn't 100% sure we would, uh, see him back in, in any sort of regular, uh, you know, on-field situation. So hopefully everything is resolved and, and uh, you know, moving forward, won't have, you know, hear any more of these type things. But hopefully, yeah, like I said, it's it's all figured out now and, and uh, Hendershot is, on the field is certainly an asset. Yeah, I buried him in my rankings because we just didn't know. It looks like yeah. it looked like he was at least going to get a suspension, but uh, back at Something. it, Xavier, big boost to the Indiana offense. I think him coming back to the team is weird. Um, if I was another player, a uh, teammate of his, this would be a weird situation for me. Uh, I don't know if I would welcome him with open arms. It'd be a, a really weird, weird kind of situation for the next couple of months, probably all the way into the season start, for me to kind of look at the guy and and – you know, be rah-rah when he does something good and be like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, from an on yeah, from an on-the-field perspective, though, it's a huge get for them, and, and they'll be happy to have him back. It's just a weird situation for me. And, and also for kids, for, from a recruiting standpoint, now as a, as a mother or father, what are you what, – what is your grounds for, for complete, you know, disciplinary actions? Because if it's not domestic violence, then where – how far do we have to go here? 
Yeah, and uh, you hope that it maybe he can at least explain what went on to his teammates, if not in the public. And, you know, uh, it's obviously a mistake. Whatever happened was bad. So, um, you know, hopefully he, he can break it down to them so they understand whatever went down. And uh, the school seems to be understanding. So you'd think if that's the case, then the teammates probably will be too. But uh, some big stuff when we woke up today. Nick and Isaiah Green, the quarterback at Marshall, uh, transferring, and uh, he's got two years of starting experience. And this leaves Marshall with only a redshirt freshman, Grant Wells, and Eli Sammons, a true freshman, as the only two scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. So it could be a spot for a grad transfer at this point, too. But uh, you also dropped them in your team strength rankings from 73 to 80. And they fell from third in Conference USA to fifth. So a uh, big, big miss, a uh, big, big uh, chunk of this team missing now that Isaiah Green is leaving Marshall. That's Trent Green's son, isn't it? Uh, no, that's that's uh, TJ Green at Northwestern. I always mix them up. Yeah, yeah. you're right. You're right. <laughs> uh, Isaiah Green, is, our, our numbers don't love him, but he's but he's been, of course, very experienced. I mean, 22 starts in 23 games and, and has six production points. He's still right around an 80 as far as our overall player ratings go. So he's, he's not, you know, a, a super highly rated guy, even at the, the G5 level, but he's uh, what eight or nine points higher than, than anybody else uh, at that position for Marshall at, at the moment. So it's certainly a, a loss that is going to be felt uh, in the ratings. As you mentioned, I mean, they dropped, uh, in our projected standings already, and and you know Marshall was uh, favored to win right around seven games, five in in conference play, and and you know this didn't necessarily flip any games that they were projected to win or lose, but some of those percentages will uh, be tweaked a little bit, and and I wouldn't be surprised if that number comes down a little bit closer to to six wins on average and a little fewer than. Uh, five on the whole and in, in conference play. So it's it's a big loss. But, uh, you know, Marshall does tend to have some roster turnover from year to year. They rely pretty heavily on Juco guys. They've had uh, some, you know, P5 transfers in and out. And, and so you expect that maybe there's a plan in place already. I mean, this might be a situation if we didn't know 24 hours ago that Armani Rogers was headed to Ohio. This seems like it might be a potential landing spot, but they've got Brandon Knox. They're going to run the ball a lot. They're going to play pretty good defense. You would expect. And, and I, I have a, have a feeling that Marshall's still going to be uh, contending in, in conference USA, especially, you know, at least in the Eastern division, but uh, anytime a, a two-year starter, a guy who's been a starter since he was a freshman, uh, decides to leave in his junior year, uh, you know, raises eyebrows a little bit for sure. But uh, certainly from an experience standpoint, I, I feel like it's uh, going to be a pretty big pretty big loss for Marshall. Yeah, and uh, Isaiah Green and TJ Green do not look alike. So uh, it's just the name. I get mixed up here. So, uh, but well, uh, J.D. Spielman and Rick Spielman don't look. Yeah, that's alike. very true. That's very true. Now, Xavier, uh, uh, this is you. You would think that he has a spot as a two-year starter to move. Like Nick said, raise his eyebrows. Potentially, there's a bunch of reasons this year. At least, you know, mm -hmm. it could be a COVID thing. He could be just wanting to be closer to home by his family, wherever that may be. I have no idea. Obviously, he's from Georgia. 
Georgia. Yeah. Okay, so that makes sense. Uh, maybe coming back. Hey, uh, Georgia down, State's got a. Yeah, maybe coming back down this way. Yeah. Um, you know that that could <laughs> be uh, that could be nice for him. It could be a coaching staff thing. It could be a you know they really like another quarterback on the team. So that we'll, we'll get the story eventually of why he transferred. Mm-hmm. But uh, it seems like a two-year starter. Usually they they got to have something lined up and ready to go, right? You would think that, right? I yeah. mean, but in this year, who knows? He right. might be just—he might be putting his name in the transfer portal just to see what bites. Uh, Nick, you hit it on the head. It might be Georgia State, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, at this point, because I feel like right now teams are not able to practice and teams are not able to acclimate new pieces of their offense, especially at the quarterback position. Guys who have proven stats in college football, regardless of what year they are in, should put their hat in the ring if they feel like they can get to a better place. Because right now, you can't tell me that almost every quarterback position that isn't set in stone right now isn't a battle. Uh, We just talked about Jamie Newman and JT Daniels, two guys who have transferred to the same school. So if I think I can go play anywhere in the country, this is the year to put my hat in the ring and go find out if I can. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we also had another big transfer uh, this morning and one that I was really surprised that Tony Poljan uh, is transferring out of CMU. Uh, it looks like uh, UCLA is reportedly uh, one of the teams that has already contacted him. But, you know, this is a former quarterback, six seven kid, huge big body tight end, a second team all Mac last year and probably headed to a P5 program. It, you know, in UCLA, looks like uh, they're taking the first swing at him, Nick. Yeah, and I, I just saw that briefly. I think uh, Bruin Report Online, I, I saw a tweet and didn't have time to, to check and confirm if they reported that or if it was somebody else. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like, you know, uh, he, he made a, a very smooth transition from quarterback to, to tight end and, and as a big body, as a weapon, uh, somebody that you would expect to, to one, you know, as, as Xavier often brings up, that these moves uh, probably a lot of times have – the player might have an eye on a better fit to further their professional career, and, and this certainly could be a situation. I mean, six seven, almost two se- uh, 260 – uh, on paper, looks like an NFL tight end for sure, and he flashed some of that ability uh, this year as well. And so maybe if he had an opportunity to to step up in competition, find a a situation, you know, somebody that would maybe highlight the tight end position if he felt a little bit better than he uh, things were looking at at Central Michigan. I, I definitely think a P five move makes sense, and and UCLA, you know, former NFL head coach in charge there, and and you know that's certainly something to consider, but uh, he's from Lansing, Michigan, and, and Michigan State mm-hmm. certainly uh, might be in the mix. We've seen some he transfers. He can't go to Michigan, though. Please, God. We've, well, two years ago, uh, Central Michigan lost their best pass rusher, Mike Dano, mm-hmm. went to Michigan. So uh, it, it could happen, but uh, it's, it's uh, you know, it, it's a move to watch because he probably uh, was going to put up uh, or have a, an opportunity to be one of the most dangerous weapons from the tight end position, probably at the G5 level. So uh, excited to see where he lands for sure. Xavier, what do you think of Tony Poljan moving? I mean, there's no way he's going to Michigan State. They barely pass the football. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he wants to block for 12 games or however many games he played this year. Uh, 
I, I like the idea of him going to UCLA. I think it's clearly a, a, a future move for him. Uh, so going to a place that throws the ball all over the yard is an opportunity to go boost your stats. Uh, this is a kid who last year caught, if I'm not mistaken, 33 passes uh, for about 400 yards and uh, three touch and four touchdowns. So he has the numbers on the G5 level. And I think in, a, in year two, uh, of him playing tight end for a full time because last year was his first year playing tight end full time. I think this gives him an opportunity, you know, if he does end up going to UCLA or a, a team that spreads the ball around, allows him to have the opportunity to get the stats that he'll need to show scouts in the NFL that he can play. Because, Nick, you're right. 6'7, 260 is ridiculous. I'm <laughs> sorry. He's going to get a practice invite just based off of his height and weight alone. Big boy, big boy. Definitely one of those Must guys nice. that can carry it at the goal <laughs> line, too. So. Yeah, he's almost a foot taller than me, so I don't like that. But I, I always think if you're if you are like six six, three hundred pounds, that's just a god given Division One scholarship. You know, so, yeah, right? yeah, for if something. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter what it yeah. is; you're gonna get a scholarship for so, something. Something seven, two hundred plus is is god, you know, pretty man. close to to that. So yeah, must be nice. Then we had a couple of universities, uh, you know, changing some stuff. One uh, of yeah, my, my favorite school, of course, Texas, uh, and their quote was, uh, they're going to have changes to ensure that we recognize and learn from our history and reflect our values uh, through our campus symbols. And uh, uh, Demarion Overshone is uh, the guy kind of leading that charge recently um, and said that he is not going to play until things get changed uh, at Texas. So hopefully, uh, really, uh, th what they what they have done is uh, they, they've done a couple big things. They've renamed some buildings in the stadium. It's going to be named after Earl Campbell and Ricky Williams, which I think is amazing. Um, but they didn't get rid of the Eyes of Texas, the song, which is an allegory to you know working on the railroad. And the, the lyrics are questionable as well uh, in the Eyes of Texas. So um, we'll see if that gets changed or if that is a sticking point for any uh, students as well. And then the University of Wisconsin – uh, said that they're going to change the crest uh, uh, on the uniform to include a black W, and their quote was, uh, this is the first step of action to show solidarity, uh, solidarity with the black and uh, persons of color communities who take pride in being a Wisconsin Badger. Uh, so uh, it seems like uh, if the players are happy and students are happy, I'm happy. Uh, hopefully changes like these are a step in the right direction is what uh, the quote out of the – who said that one, Nick? Was that uh, a Wisconsin oh. representative? No, that was me. That was me. Oh, that yeah. was you. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I, I thought, I'm thinking this was a quote, and you have it on here. So uh, no, I, a great I, quote by Nicholas Ian Allen, owner and proprietor of CFP Winning Edge. And I think you're absolutely right about that. As long as the students are happy, and that's kind of why I mentioned the eyes of Texas. Like, I don't know if that's going to be a sticking point for Overshone and, and others there. Yeah, no, and I just, uh, for, for listeners, sometimes I just, I, I like to put my thoughts down in, in the show notes just to make sure. I've been sure recording I, a lot of stuff. I don't, right hey, I'm, 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 no my worries. head is fuzzy. So. No worries. But uh, yeah, I mean, that that's basically my thought. I mean, we, we, you know, we're we're hearing some things and, and obviously we've mentioned it in, in 
weeks past that players are, are taking the opportunity now. Things are changing and, and players are taking an opportunity to, to raise their voice and, and be heard and create some changes. In Texas specifically, there had been uh, some very outspoken players. Overshone had, had been one. Brennan Eagles had uh, mm-hmm. been there as well. And, and uh, Overshone, I thought it was interesting, kind of the as this news was breaking, that they were making announcements of these particular changes uh, because he had, like I had gone in, in in our FBS team profiles and actually uh, had to move him out of the, the starting lineup, just how it was right. reflected in our projections based on some of the comments he had made seemed to indicate that, that you know, he wasn't going to be happy until changes were made and he wasn't going to play in, until uh, he was happy with, with what he saw and sort of the his reaction on Twitter, at least after this, I uh, haven't seen any video or, or any you know, lengthy quotes or anything, but uh, seemed to indicate that he was happy. And, and you know, like I said here, if, if the players are happy, if the students are happy with changes the, that are being made, that's what's most important. You know, I, I'm happy if, if they're happy. And, and yeah, hopefully uh, changes like this are a change in the right direction and, and make uh, students and, and players feel more welcome and, and more comfortable and, and proud to wear, you know, that uniform. And, and so, uh, like I said, they're happy. I'm happy for sure. And Xavier, do you like Nick's quote? I think it's pretty good. It's definitely yeah. quotable. It's simple, that. Uh, to the point. Yeah, you, you, you should have that in your Twitter bio. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this applies to a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah you just yeah, take out students and put in wife, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and if the wife and kids are happy, I'm happy. I'm That's happy. Mo- most yeah. men, you know. Um. But no, I think this is great. I think this is a, a right move, in, this is a move in the right direction. We're seeing it all across college football, um, as Clemson even had uh, as athletes led a, on uh, on campus protests uh, earlier last about a month ago. About three thousand kids, uh, that it was students and athletes uh, joining a protest there. So we're seeing Nick, uh, you and Scott kind of alluded to it a couple of uh, about a month or so ago that athletes are now finally finding their voice in college athletics, and they're using that to to change the schools that they're going to. I mean, I don't know how many buildings have been, how many names have been stricken and changed. And, you know, and we're not even going down every university, but just the ones we've talked about uh, since, you know, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and things like that has happened. Uh, So I think that this is a move in the right direction. I think kids want to see changes at the schools that they're paying all this money to go to. uh, And they're going into severely amounts of student loan debt uh, to to attend to. So I think they have a right to definitely speak up. And I I, I, uh, applaud these two schools on their changes so far. Yeah. So, and this is two schools of many and there Mm -hmm. have been other changes made in many other schools. There's obviously too many to list right now, but uh, that is going to take us to the schedule change stuff. And Nick, I got to be honest, I um, am disheartened a little bit as far not, not for the sport itself. College football is going to be played, whether it is in the fall or in the spring, but it seems like most people think, and, um, I'm not going on Twitter and saying it because I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't like the Twitter people who uh, go on and say, just cancel the season already. Any of that nonsense. Like, let's just try. Let's try to make it work. It seems like the only, uh, you know, the FBS is the only one that's trying to make it work for the fall. But the first step has been most conferences either, either outright switching to conference only or alluding to, moving that direction but to me it kind of seems like these are the steps that you take before you do push the season back 
to the spring. So I'll let you kind of, uh, I'll hand you the ball here. You can kind of tell us what has happened already and uh, just give us your uh, thoughts on the changing uh, schedule right now in college football. Yeah, as, as sort of has happened a few times to us, uh, <laughs> pretty much after we record, you know, within hours, it seems that the college football world completely changes. And, and so since this time last week, I mean, the, the Big Ten on Thursday announced it would cancel non-conference games for 2020. Uh, the Pac-12 followed about 24 hours later. Uh, the Patriot League uh, at the FCS level joined the Ivy League in canceling its fall sports. We've seen, you know, different conferences and, and some schools uh, at the Division Two, II, Division Three levels, uh, you know, cancel cancel seasons and and uh, the junior colleges in the NJCAA and the CCCAA mm-hmm. uh, canceled their 2020 fall season, and, and they specifically said that they're going to attempt. To, to play in the spring. And, and we didn't go into a lot of detail about the Ivy League, who sort of when this, uh, they were, you know, as has been the case in recent months, uh, sort of been one of the first to, to say, okay, we're shutting things down and, and other conferences have, have uh, slowly but surely followed since. Uh, you know, I, I was kind of excited about the prospect of a, a spring season, to be honest, and and I still would be if if you know some of these FCS schools uh, decide that they're going to play in the spring. I mean, I certainly uh, think that CFB Winnie Edge will, will try to to have some fun with that and, and create some FCS uh, team profiles, perhaps if if we've got something to look forward to in the spring. But yeah, Scott, I think you're you're certainly right that the FBS is in a different situation and they on the one hand have a lot more to play for in the fall with TV money and, and things like that. That's certainly, uh, you know, unfortunately I think uh, part of the conversation that we, that we just can't ignore, but also those yeah. schools because they've got uh, that potential for, for money coming in are, are a little better equipped to handle this. If there's going to be a season you know, the, the teams with multi, multi-million dollar uh, budgets, uh, you know, have the capability perhaps a little well uh, more equipped for testing and, and to be able to, you know, try to, to manage this a little bit better than maybe some of the uh, smaller conferences are, are able to do. But, uh, you know, it's it's certainly not a great sign. I, you, would, you would rather hear that there's the likelihood of things starting on time instead of things getting pushed back. But, uh, you know, on, on the other hand, it also makes sense. I mean, one, as, as I said, you know, if the players uh, are, are happy, I mean, this, you know, we have to keep the players in mind, have to try and keep everybody safe. And, and then by moving to uh, conference only games, it, it sort of helps you control uh, what you can control with these schools. And, and it's difficult you know, outside of leagues, we've talked before, there's no players association, there's no, you know, commissioner in, in college football. And, and so and the one thing there is, is, is a conference, you know, commissioner, a conference uh, organization that can say, okay, we're going to mandate, these are the testing rules, these are how we're going to try to mm-hmm. uh, move forward and, and make this happen. But yeah, and unfortunately, I'm a little less optimistic uh, today than I was yesterday and a little less optimistic yesterday than I was the day before that things are going to look, you know, really anything close to normal uh, for the 2020 quarter, uh, 2020 
college football season. But uh, hopefully, as always, try to stay positive and, and hopefully we can get things turned around in time to salvage something. And, and if it's a conference only schedule, you know, we'll be here to address that. And we'll talk about some of those changes, uh, you know, in, in the next little bit here uh, as well and see what we can learn from what we've learned so far. Xavier, your thoughts on uh, what has been happening with, you know, the uh, the junior colleges and the community colleges all canceling uh, their season until the spring, the Ivy League canceling, uh, you know, pretty much. And a lot of the FBS, um, you know, uh, switching to conference only right now. Do you think we still get conference only play on, you know, and I say on time, I just mean some point in the mm -hmm. fall, because if you are taking two to three games off everyone's schedule, you can push the start back from, you know, uh, late August to early October, probably, it seems mm -hmm. like, and still get the season done in time. So what are your thoughts on us getting a fall season at this point? Well, funny that Nick said he's less optimistic about college football as a whole, where according to what has come out of kind of uh, – so SEC Media Day was supposed to be this week. Yeah. I mean, that's supposed to be – started. I think started Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken, um, here in Atlanta. And so a lot of media was reaching out to a lot of the ADs. And the consensus was the SEC is playing football in the fall. Uh, <laughs> you had multiple ADs said, we're not playing in the spring. We can't play in the spring. Uh, and so – There are concerns, uh, for sure. Right. And, and so – at least from the SEC perspective, it looks like football is going to happen come hella high water. Um, as far as the conference only schedules, I had a, a, an initial issue with it because I feel like some of these conferences are far weaker than others. Um, and so I think that it gives them an immediate edge competition wise. Uh, I mean, if you're purely saying that, you know, you get to avoid playing some of the non-conference teams that were all cur uh, currently on your schedule, I think it makes it unfair for teams like in the SEC to possibly, if they're asked to add SEC teams onto their schedule to make a full 12-game season, um, as opposed to just playing an eight-game season. Uh, from, But I think you're right, Scott. I think this is the, the first step in us pushing college football back. I mean, I think it's more of from a precaution issue, not just with COVID, but also with uh, preseason injuries and trying to get these kids ready to play. Uh, because most teams are still not able to practice together. And I'm yeah. sorry, football is a contact sport. You don't – most football players will tell you it takes the first hit for them to really clock back in to playing football and the first hit from an opponent, not your teammate. Well, you can uh, see it at the NFL levels, Javier. Mm -hmm. I don't mean to cut you off here, but no, you're fine. You'd watch any Thursday night football game if a team is not coming off uh, a bye week. They mm -hmm. are ugly. They are sloppy. There are missed assignments. There are missed routes. And those games, while they get a nice big TV share, which is what the NFL is concerned about, are the ugliest games you can see any football season. And also later in the year when mm -hmm. some teams play on Saturdays when there's no college football games, uh, you know, they're, they're more sloppy than the games that are even just one day later on Sunday. And you can see Monday night football games are the most crisp, usually, of mm -hmm. uh any of those games. So, uh, you know, a day or take shave a day or two off, let alone, you know, a month off of practice time and an off season of mm -hmm. ramping up. I'm, I'm right there with you. So it is, it, some of these games could get fairly ugly. Go ahead though. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh no, I was about to toss over to Nick since he had something to say about the ATC. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, so. well, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I forgot. I, ooh, we're, we're a well-oiled machine today. I, uh, I forgot about the, something I saw earlier today, David Teal at uh, richmond.com uh, laid out a, a plan with some quotes from ACC head coaches that uh, talked about using geographic pods uh, pods of five teams each, three three groups of five, and that includes uh, Notre Dame, which would likely be uh, or would certainly be in the, in the mix if the ACC moves to uh, conference only as well as as anticipated. But a very interesting idea. I don't know if you guys have, have read up on the pods idea in recent years. Bill Connolly, I know, is one of the most vocal. Uh, he might have been the the one who first is, uh, came up with the idea. But is this the thing where, like, uh, I may have seen it, just not have dived into it on context, mm-hmm. where they wanted to change the conferences to like geographic location, maybe for a year, which obviously is impossible. But it was like showing you where who would play who. You know what I mean? Like all the Texas teams are pretty much together, except for mm-hmm. maybe UTEP was playing you know, Arizona and Arizona state and New Mexico, New Mexico state and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, um, is that, is that what we're talking about as far as the pods go? I'm not really. So those are mostly, uh, I think just sort of Off speculative. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, sort of the, the, uh, the graphics that have all the logos and the yeah, different, yeah, 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 yeah. So those, those I think were just sort of, uh, mostly for fun or, you know, Hey, this makes sense if we did it. Cause some of those certainly do. I mean, we cut down on, travel times for for sure uh but the pods is interesting because you know the the division sort of after conference expansion for the most part divisions in a lot of ways don't make a a ton of sense i mean the acc divisions still don't make any sense but uh having (laughs) having you know in the sec uh florida and missouri are in the same division is is just sort of a uh a, a weird uh, set up so there there's a uh, a thought and especially since a lot of these conferences have moved to 12 and 14 teams and, and certain you know last year georgia and texas a&m played in a conference game for the first time since texas a&m joined the uh joined the league and and so it's it's you know messed up some rivalries florida and auburn don't play as much as they had traditionally for example but by going to pods getting rid of divisions and, and saying like okay these whether it's four or five teams are going to play every year and then rotate the others in uh, a little more frequently than everybody in the SEC East. You play these six teams, you play one crossover rival. So you're playing that other one team once every seven years. is just kind of, kind of weird. So bringing it back down and saying, okay, Georgia, for example, their pod could be Florida and Auburn and South Carolina or a Tennessee and, and Tennessee's pod would be, you know, Georgia and Alabama and uh, Vanderbilt. And Kentucky, they got to find a different know? word so, than pod. It sounds like a, pods a, what's caught on, but yeah, there's probably a better one. But. Sounds like a pyramid scheme. You know? <laughs> like you stay in this pod and then I'll take the downflow of that pod. Like, I don't know why it just sounds like a weird pyramid scheme to me, but it's, it's uh it's an interesting idea, and it's something that yeah. something I've seen uh, right now because everything is so in flux. I mean, we've seen changes to uh, what's going on in the NBA and Major League Baseball, MLS. I mean, now perhaps is a time to say, okay, we're sort of forced to make adjustments. Maybe we can change some things up and, and 
have a better way of doing things once things are back to normal. And this might be uh, a step in that direction. But the ACC specifically, it's kind of the interesting. This idea is that they would these five teams would play one another and it would be a home and home situation. So it'd be right. eight games and you'd play, you know, Boston College would play at Syracuse and they would host Syracuse. They would play at, I don't know who the other, whoever's yeah. close, Pitt and yeah. host Pitt. So it's it kind of, I don't know, it's, it's kind of an interesting thought. And, and the pods idea, if it happens, would make a lot of people happy who are in the, uh, you know, the depths of college football Twitter. Uh, but uh, as anything a whole, weird kind of an would- interesting thing. Anything weird would uh, be be nice for college football, like super hardcore college football fans, because like playing a team twice in a year, you only get that in, in the playoff or in Liberty you know in a, a title game. You know that that's that's really all you get. Those uh, the only places where you get that stuff. So uh, anything different and weird. And look, you know how long until Bill Connolly's just running college football, right? I mean, you know, the, the dude, the dude should be running it right now. So two or three um, years too late. Yeah, exactly. So uh, any idea that, that he has, I think we need to, uh, you know, if not uh, just immediately do at least consider. So uh, I'm, I'm with, I'm with anything that gets us college football on time. Not that I wouldn't yes. like it in the spring, but my, you know, my first thought process is, of course, like all my other thought processes, is very selfish. Is yeah, in the middle of the spring, I'm doing baseball prep. So, do I want to also be doing college football prep? Not really, but this year I didn't get a choice, and I'm doing baseball and football prep at the same time. So, uh, you know, it, it's been um, that. That's why my brain is mush, and I called you John and read your quote as a <laughs> commissioner today as well. So, you know, it's uh. It's just not looking good for me either way, so it doesn't really matter, you know. But uh, Xavier, your thoughts on on this plan and any other uh, plan that you've heard kind of floating around out there? I mean, I think any possible way, like you said, that we can get college football anywhere near on time is is perfect. Um, I don't, as as a fan, I honestly don't want college football in the spring. Um, it's already hot enough in Georgia. Yeah, it seems like that would be too hot to Trying- play most. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the heat index already sucks in, in August and September. <laughs> Nobody wants that in April and May. Just just write that off. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that any way we can get it done. my I've been more in favor with somehow combining the, the G5 and the P5 conferences and making this somehow a possible way that we talk that And we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before uh, of, of the G5 teams that so for instance the Sun Belt and the SEC doing allowing the, the, the Sun Belt teams to be the, the non-conference games for the P5 just to keep that if we're gonna go the geographic route because it still helps the G5 teams. The thing I hate most about the only conference scheduling is that the G5 teams are gonna miss out on so much money. Um, I don't know yeah. if you're still going to be if, if the P5 teams are going to be obligated to pay. I don't think they will be, and, and that sucks because most schools from the G5 level are making anywhere from seven hundred thousand dollars plus to go get beat or to come away with a historic win. You know, in in the same token, so that really sucks for them. But to keep that kind of revenue going to help some of these G5 schools stay afloat. I think that you could see teams like the MAC in the Big uh, in the Big Ten come together. Where Ohio is now, you know, Ohio and Central Michigan are now the guys who are playing against Michigan and Ohio State for their non-conference schedule since they don't want to 
leave the geographic area that they're in. And this yeah. could lend credence to uh, the super conferences that a lot of people wanted to talk about. You know, it seemed like mm-hmm. that idea was bigger, you know, uh, three or four years ago when uh, A&M was shifting over to the SEC with Missouri and, you know, uh, Colorado was was moving into the, the Pac-12 and, and, and stuff like that. So uh, I may get that one mixed up. I, I, uh, but you guys know what I'm talking about where, um, you well, know, thoughts of texas being going to yeah. the over the sec and oklahoma yeah. right right exactly so this could lend credence more towards that argument as well but um lots of stuff moving and changing and nick just kind of explain to us how the schedule changes are going to impact uh you know the, the the things that we provide here at cfb winning edge and uh how how quickly uh, do we even have uh schedules for uh you know, the, the potential changes right now, or when do we think those would come out? No, that's, that's a good question. So right now, uh, and one thing I failed to, to mention about the ACC thing, it sounds like they're going to try best they can to save some of those in-state uh, or all the in-state rivalries, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Florida, Florida State, yeah. Kentucky, Louisville, and all that. But, but yeah, th- that's a, a great point. What is the schedule going to look like? Cause even at, you know, the big 10, we know, okay, right now the plan is conference only, it's possible they could walk that back, but you know, Indiana and Wisconsin, I believe play or are scheduled to play each other in week one. Obviously that's going to need to be changed. I mean, they're not going to play right. in August and then wait three weeks or, or whatever. And then a lot of these plans as well are talking about, okay, you know, conference only, but we don't want to just play, you know, nine games necessarily. Maybe we bump it up to 10. Maybe, you know, if, if things really get going, we could, uh, you know, bump it up even more potentially. But yeah, I mean, coming up with an actual schedule is something uh, I haven't seen anything official and don't know that, that anything is uh, really, you know, figured out quite yet. So my assumption and sort of what we're doing at uh, CFP Winning Edge right now is just removing non-conference games for those and, and keeping our you know calculations on projected wins and conference wins and, and all of that but I, I would expect they would just bump everything down to that you know October 3rd is that first Saturday in, in October and sort of keep things as they are just just bumped down but you know if they look to add a game here or there we're going to of course have to make adjustments who's it going to be I mean this is Wisconsin going to play right now their schedule looks really nice they don't have to play Notre Dame anymore and and we'll talk about some other teams that have benefits as well but who are they going to play from these they already play Michigan State if they pick up Ohio State things don't look as good anymore okay. if they pick up Penn State things don't think look as good anymore so uh, that's definitely something we're going to watch and that's something that uh, fortunately I think the way we've built things at CFB winning edge we can sort of uh, make those adjustments really quickly and I, I feel incredibly bad for guys like uh, Phil Steele who you know put his uh, the magazine uh, to the printers, I mm. think the day the Big Ten made this announcement, and yeah, then, uh, you know, based on the transfer news we're seeing still and, and all that, but but fortunately, and and I do love those magazines for sure, and please do support people who are doing good work out there. Uh, but fortunately, we're we're positioned, I think, to to be able to react to these sort of things. So uh, you'll be able to see as soon as we can get those updates in. Once we learn, you know, when is Wisconsin actually going to play Indiana, and if Wisconsin has to play 
Ohio State and Penn State will be able to make those adjustments and be able to see how it impacts their projected wins and, and things like that, uh, you know, within minutes, within hours. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, I mean, it, it's going to be uh, – this whole season is already weird, and we haven't seen a practice yet, really. I mean, we've seen a couple guys practice and then – Go, they immediately go get tested for COVID. That yep. has been what it is. And I don't even, I, I can't, I still can't even figure out what the, um, the reporting is on, on the COVID cases, obviously it, much easier in baseball and football. You know, uh, there's a 60 man roster in baseball and there's a bunch of reporters standing in the stadium. And so if, uh, you know, somebody doesn't show up, they go, Hey, why isn't this guy here? <laughs> and, and Dusty Baker then has to say, He's not in camp because of an illness. I cannot. I can not tell you anymore. We can read between the lines there, but doctors. It, yeah, exactly. It seems <laughs> like with all of these tests, um, you know, uh, with, with all of these tests, not only are they testing football players, but they're testing other athletes together as well. And then you know, releasing not not the names obviously because of HIPAA, but the numbers too. So um, I, I don't know. You know. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, what are, what are the weirdest situations with this, unlike what we'll have to see in any other professional sports, is that most of these guys, most of these kids are getting tested on campus and then told to go home. And <laughs> so, so, so whereas you would expect maybe the university to open up housing that they could control, I don't know, something similar to like that. Yeah, or come they back would, to the school know. so we can stick you with a needle and then go home. Right, and then go back to a situation where you don't know what's going on. So, like, I don't get how even the testing is relevant at that point. If you're if you're going, if you're a kid from Georgia is traveling to Vanderbilt, going to get tested and coming back home, I don't see how that yeah. translates to then, you know, if he's negative in Vanderbilt, but then comes back home, goes to Lake Lanier, celebrates the Fourth of July, and you know, right. hanging out with the family, then go back to Vanderbilt. You're like. There's no way you can go based off of the test you had in like late May. There's absolutely nothing you can do. I there. like that Xavier just laid out exactly what he would have done if he was playing this year. <laughs> That's exactly how it would have happened. So he wasn't positive, you know, when he went in, but then he went out to the 4th of July uh, lake party and, uh, you know, uh, comes back and who knows. So uh, that's a, an issue too. And, you know, I, Nick and I have talked about that more on the CFF pod, you know, just remembering being 18 to 22 and thinking how invincible you are and not, exactly. you know, uh, this didn't, even if I have it, who cares? It's not going to affect me. It's only yes. affecting 1% of people. You know, that it, there's people that are in the strike zone of getting this, that feel that way. So, you know, uh, it, it's, it, it's very, very weird, but, uh, we are, the, go ahead. To, to prolong it, you know, the conversation, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the uh, you know, there, the, you can't really put a bubble on these college right. campuses. And, and that's right. part of the discussion, of course, is, is, uh, you know, the, the NCAA, the powers that be, and, and, you know, want to treat athletes like regular students as much as possible. And certainly we understand that that is not the case on most of these campuses already, but you know, you, you can't just put aside athletes necessarily, or, or they're not uh, necessarily going to really be willing to, to do that mm -hmm. in, in most cases. And that, 
throws up other issues, whether a guy, you know, sneaks away and goes home. They might say, okay, don't, don't leave campus, stay in your dorm, stay in your apartment, whatever. But you know, there, there's no bubble. There's no, uh, you're going to, be quarantined for 10 days right and you go pick up your, uh, what is it, Postmates at the corner or what have you. So. Oh, I'll bring you, <laughs> don't worry. I'll bring you the Postmates. I'll, I'll get that. So It's already happening. The, the two <laughs> NBA players that got kicked out of Orlando for crossing yeah, Rashawn the line. Holmes. Yes, yeah. one is mama's cooking and the other one to get Postmates. Like, dude. Well, I also read that, uh, you know, they're inviting girls to <laughs> to the bubble in Orlando. And these guys, these aren't 18 to 22 year olds for the most part. Some of them are in that range, obviously, mm-hmm. because in basketball, you can, uh, you know, uh, you can leave at 19 and, and, and go play after one year in college. But these guys are also getting paid millions of dollars to not do exactly what they're doing. And they're still doing it. So, you know, no one has a wrap on uh, everything here. So it's just constant testing that has to happen. The universities don't have it yet. Uh, So it's just, you know, it it doesn't, it's just not looking promising. And and I am not the defeated type of person, especially with this stuff. Like I've said on this podcast today too, I hate the Twitter people that just immediately, you know, lend towards the negative and all that stuff. So you know, uh, it, it's it's not in my nature to, you know, say that the, the season isn't going to happen on time. But, Nick, let's get to uh, the, the teams that are uh, most impacted by schedule changes so far. And you've made this depressing list of games that uh, non-conference games that are already lost. So, um, you know, however you want to formulate this part, please feel free. <laughs> yeah. So in the big 10, I mean, like we said before, some of the, the weird things that are being affected in, in some cases are in-state rivalries. I mean, Iowa, Iowa state is a game that right now as things stand, won't be able to be no. played yet. If, you know, uh, I don't need I don't, know off the top of my head if Nebraska plays Rutgers, but, you know, that technique, yeah, they do. October 24th, Nebraska uh, would uh, travel to Rutgers, and that would be a Big Ten conference game currently on the schedule, uh, but Iowa and Iowa State would not play. And, and you know, huge game in that state, of course, but also two teams that are uh, in the top 25 in our preseason, you know, power ranking. So uh, would certainly be a a game of, of national uh, consequence and, and to not have that uh, is, like you said, depressing a bit. And, and there are some uh, G5 teams that had an opportunity perhaps to, to pull off a big upset like Xavier mentioned earlier. He didn't say it specifically, but uh, Georgia State's historic win over Tennessee, you know, it would not <laughs> would not necessarily exist if, if we uh, were to go conference schedule only and, and FIU is our highest rated team in Conference USA uh, plays Minnesota this year. BYU is a team that's probably as impacted by this as any team in the country. I mean, they're they're on this. Yeah, those list independents over over. are really bad. Yeah, their game against Michigan State, their game against Minnesota. Moving over to the Pac-12, they play Arizona State, Stanford, and Utah. So that's five games just off. Who the, are they going to play? The top? That that's a big question. <laughs> Them and Notre Dame, honestly. Uh, well, Notre Dame will, will fit into the ACC, whatever okay. they decide to do. But but BYU is, I mean, are they going to play UMass three times? Are they going to play New Mexico <laughs> State twice? I mean, It'd be like the, uh, baseball series. Be? Yeah, <laughs> right. We got yeah. home road series going three and four. 
so uh, it's it, it's a mess. I mean, you know, and it's 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 really unfortunate. And and I know everybody's going to try to do the best they can. These conferences are going to try to do the best they can. But yeah, it's tough. I mean, Michigan State Miami not a not a premier matchup, but that game would perhaps tell us about those two teams. And then of course we've got the big ones in the Big Ten: Ohio State at Oregon. I mean, that's a crossover impacts both, of course. Penn State at Virginia Tech was going to be a lot of fun. Uh, two potential top 25 teams. I mean, Oregon and Ohio State, potentially two top 10 teams, two playoff contenders. And then uh, Wisconsin-Notre Dame, a, a neutral site at, at Lambeau Field, quote-unquote neutral site, uh, are, are the headliners in the Big Ten. But Wisconsin-Appalachian State is a game that was really interesting and and haven't seen before. And every time I saw that on the schedule, thought, oh, wow, yeah, that that's, a, that's an interesting game. Appalachian State, we've seen them beat – ACC teams. I mean, they're mm-hmm. reigning champions of the Carolinas, beat North Carolina and South Carolina last year. So to have an opportunity to play Wisconsin, that was going to be a really fun game. Nebraska-Cincinnati, that was going to be an interesting game. Cincinnati probably in the mix, you know, to be a New Year's Six contender and Nebraska a team that needs every single win uh, perhaps to get back to a bowl. So, yeah, we're, we're going to be missing some, some big games in – the Big Ten, and and you know certainly some teams uh, are perhaps positively impacted by this. I mean Iowa not having to play Iowa State is is you know if things were to line up perfectly and and they uh, win the West, get through with one win, pull off an upset in the Big Ten championship game, maybe Iowa could sneak into the playoff. Wisconsin the same uh, the same way if if they were to lose to Notre Dame and also lose to whether it's Michigan or in the Big Ten championship game, uh, you know, not having that game uh, might be the difference between getting into the playoff or not. So, you know, these things will will have an impact in, in the Big Ten for sure and in the Pac-12 as well as we'll, we'll get to later. Xavier, what's the most depressing one on this list that you see and you're like, oh, we're not going to get this game. I was looking forward to it so much. Probably USC Alabama. Um, yeah, I think that that game for me was just going to tell me where both teams were at this year. Um, that's one of those, you know, barometer games. Same thing for Ohio State, Oregon. That where are these teams as a, you know, are they tier one or tier two? Um, and that and those games kind of proved that to you right away. I mean, Alabama single handedly turned Florida State into the downfall that they are right now, like four years ago from a similar game. And so it's like it's one of those things where like you see Alabama versus anybody else and you're like, this tells me whether this team is a contender for a national championship because of how good Alabama is. Um, This is a great time, though, for me to go on 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 a semi tangent of why you should join a conference. Yeah. How about you join a conference? Notre Dame, you already played partially ACC schedule. Now you, you're missing out on possibly four to five games. Go join the ACC. BYU, Pac-12. Come on. I don't even think that's the question. Xavier, you're the most particular I think they would if they could. Xavier, you're the most particular type of salesman I've ever heard in my life. You know, like, hey, BYU, why don't you join a conference? Come on. Come hey, on. UMass. Get into a conference. Come, Come on. on. What do I have to do to put you in this gotta uh, get into a over here? You, you, know? you, you got to get into one, guys. It, it, next time a pandemic happens, you won't have to f- scramble looking for a schedule or, or an opponent. So I'm, I, I'm just saying this is a perfect time to sell this to every team that does not play a conference, yeah. is not in a conference right now. So just saying. Did just you saying. guys see, just uh, speaking of going off in tangents, that 
only one sport had pandemic insurance and it was tennis and Wimbledon. Yeah, I guess so I did see the Wimbledon thing. Yeah. For 26 years, they've been paying the Lloyds of London, like a two or 3 million bucks a year or however much it is uh, for uh, pandemic insurance. And it finally, they're going to get like 180 million bucks or something because of the pandemic because they paid for this pandemic. And they were paying out uh, players that would miss out. So that's, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. They're, they're given uh, based on, I think it's uh, based on ranking. I think ranking is part of it, but, the, but it's for like a, a, I'm not sure if it's just one match or like what you would qualify, mm -hmm. like what you're guaranteed. I, I didn't go into the details, but I saw that they, they were paying out players, including like all the, cause we of course know the men's and women's championships, but they've got, you know, doubles, they've got a, a wheelchair, uh, oh, set nice. on on both sides, so they're they're paying everybody out in awesome. in uh full shares, I believe at least the, the, the minimum. So yeah, that, hey, looking ahead, good, and good that's job. like probably <laughs> the first huge loss Lloyd's of London has had in. I was gonna say uh, since Willis McGay, he blew out his knee. You know what I mean? So uh, because they're they're the ones that ensure the uh the college football players as well. My dad actually worked for Lloyd's of London for a little bit, so um, uh, just familiar with them a little bit. But Nick, uh, the last thing that we have on the list here is updated win totals. Now, what are you? Uh, how how are you? Are you basing this on the games left on the schedule? Is yeah. that what it is? Got because it. obviously these are probably going to change when we get a new schedule announced, should we get them, right? Exactly. Any, any time, any updates from here on out, if, if a team is added, uh, we will adjust these win totals. And, and what I've got here for the Big Ten is, or the Big Ten and Pac-12 are uh, just conference games. But everybody else who's been impacted, so, you know, USC and Notre Dame right now, they're not playing. Notre Dame obviously is impacted. They, they play uh, Wisconsin and USC and Stanford and, and, you know, BYU, as we mentioned, only has what six or seven games right now. So uh, all of those you can see on our FBS team profiles, we've got the, the schedule page there. And I went through and specifically put in so that it calculates automatically the number of conference wins, the number of total wins. So you can see how everybody's adjusted Colorado state, somebody that's really uh, been impacted by this Hawaii's lost, you know, their first four games, they added one yeah. Robert Morris, but you know, they played three, Pac-12 teams, so Hawaii uh, in the toughest spot out of anybody. They're sure. in a in a really difficult spot. So you know, it, it's we're we will make adjustments as quick as we possibly can. But yeah, I mean the the projected win totals uh, for go with the Pac-12 because I, I skipped them earlier. At the top, uh, Oregon and USC. If they don't have to play non-conference games, USC doesn't have to play Alabama. Oregon doesn't have to play Ohio State. Those teams and and their you know playoff chances go go up for sure. Uh, Oregon still our highest rated team and, and our, you know, has our highest projected win total. We have them winning 7.05 conference games on average. So that still, you know, thinks that on average they're going to lose two conference games against their current schedule. But Oregon still, you know, assuming that they uh, get the benefit of, of that number, get to maybe eight and one at worst, uh, still could certainly be in the mix. USC is uh, second in the the conference, six point three wins on average. Uh, Utah actually uh, two spots lower in our ratings. Uh, USC seventeenth, Utah's nineteenth. Utah expected to win six point four games on average, so slightly more uh, than USC right now. 
Washington is is at almost six wins. Arizona State almost five wins. Their schedule sets up pretty nice. Stanford almost five wins sets up pretty nice. Them not having to play Notre Dame perhaps helps Stanford. And, and, you know, from a grand scheme, they probably weren't going to challenge for a playoff spot. But, you know, not having to play a, a really difficult game uh, like that could pay off. Maybe you're not as, as banged up. Who knows? That's another thing to consider as we're looking at these uh, once we actually get going. Uh, Cal, uh, 3.2 wins on average, actually a little bit less than UCLA based on how the schedule sits up is three and a half wins. That's UCLA was a a team that jumped out at me immediately because finally, after, you know, two years of, of just really disappointing non-conference, uh, play, they could have gone three and O in the non-conference could have gotten two, three wins, and we project three and a half, and that would finally get them to bowl eligibility. So what is bowl eligibility look like in 2020? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it is it half your games that you win? Is it is it you know four wins, five wins? What, what's it going to be? So uh, that's another thing to consider. Uh, Arizona, Colorado, and Oregon State, sort of the, the teams that are projected lowest uh, past the, the 70s, where it's 70 for Arizona, 77 for Colorado and 83 for Oregon State. Arizona, 2.74 wins. Colorado, 2.3. And Oregon State, 2.45 wins. Uh, So, you know, things didn't necessarily change in the conference uh, standings in the Pac-12. But, you know, that top end, that that highest tier, if Oregon can get through with one loss, if USC can get through with one loss, uh, they're certainly, you know, have lots of controversy mix i think i think and and it helps both of those teams because yeah uh, you know i I know that oregon has gotten some buzz as a a potential playoff team but that schedule is really difficult and without ohio state there which most of us would mark down as a loss if we were going to have to pick one or the other uh you know that that creates a wider margin for error. So now you don't have to go undefeated in the Pac-12. You don't have to, uh, you know, hope that two conference champions have multiple losses. If, if you're Oregon, in some ways, this this helps you and, and could get you uh, to a playoff if, in fact, everything, you know, holds as we expect right now. In the Big Ten, uh, like I've, I've alluded to before, I mean, the teams of the West – potentially, uh, that had some tough non-conference games, Iowa, Wisconsin. Similarly, not that they were the the highest profile like that Ohio State-Oregon game, but uh, creates a little bit more margin of error that if if things fall right, maybe you could sneak in uh, to, to, you know, pull off an upset in the Big Ten Championship game and sneak into a playoff. Uh, Ohio State, you know, not having to play Oregon is is, uh, one game where you're not going to wear down as much. Uh, but Ohio State, we expect still to win eight games in conference uh, on average. Uh, Penn State is our second highest rated team, seven and a quarter games. Michigan, six and a half. Wisconsin, uh, 6.74. So they're positioned a little bit better uh, because of the weaker side of the division. Iowa, uh, 5.2 wins. Minnesota, almost five, 4.8 wins. Uh, Indiana, 4.3. Then uh, Nebraska, Michigan State, Northwestern, and Purdue are all expected to win between three and four games. Purdue, we haven't really spent much time on, but what are they doing in conference scheduling anyway? They had Memphis, Boston College, and Air Force 
I mean, what are you doing, Purdue? Yeah. Uh, so maybe maybe this helps them a little bit. Who knows? A little but, bit. Uh, it could. And Illinois, uh, 2.78 wins. They're our 68th rated team. Uh, everybody else uh, between Minnesota and, and Illinois is uh, between the 40s and, and the 70s. Maryland it's and Rutgers. rough hearing <laughs> some of these teams, two games, three games, yeah, you know, that stuff. type of stuff. It's, it's just going to be hard. They schedule cupcakes. I don't have any cupcakes on hand with me right now, but if I had some, <laughs> I'd tell you. They says, this is what I'm talking about, people. This is exactly what I mean by these only conference schedules are going to leave some of these teams in some weird positions. And we haven't even got to the ACC yet, but if they do it too, <laughs> then we might have some seven-win ACC teams that are absolute garbage because they don't play the non-conference and their actual conference is a cupcake. This is ridiculous. This is <laughs> – yeah, I'm sorry. You guys don't get to play Old Dominion in week 13. <laughs> yeah, shocking. Your win total is now at two point seven. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and the win totals, uh, you know, they're they're interesting to look at right now uh, because we just we play with what we have on the schedule. But this is, you know, just sitting here, uh, you know, taking this all in uh, as far as the win totals go and stuff. It seems like this. This lends credence towards moving the whole season back to the spring as well, because how are you going to organize playing those cupcake games that you want to play and bring money to those cupcake schools? Like you can blame the schools for going in and taking a shellacking for a million bucks, but they get a million bucks. That's why they do it, you know? So um, it seems like maybe we are trending more towards. Uh, the spring, the more and more I think about it, but I, I'm still hoping I would rather have non-conference schedules and watch games in the fall than watch games uh, in the spring. It's just, and not even, I don't even care about the, the games being hot or different in the spring. It's that, what does that do to your schedule for the 2021 season? Move yeah. it. Do you just move it back a little bit? Because then, you know, you're asking, you, you know, it's like all already games in a year. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, within a calendar year would be very, very strange, too. So injuries are a concern. Guys, you know, sitting out for the NFL draft is something we haven't even you know spent any time. And they're on. all supposed to be going to school in the middle of all right. of this, too. Yeah. So so you know. uh, kind of a, kind of, I guess, a blueprint. What that would kind of look like is uh, English Premier League soccer is doing that right now. They're going to finish their season in two weeks, two or three weeks. They're going to give their guys two months off and start when the season would normally start in a regular year. But aren't those the highest paid players in any professional sport in the world? Pretty much. Yeah, pro leagues can have a little bit more flexibility. College football yeah. is just so weird, which is yeah. part of the reason I love it. But also, when things like this happen once right. in a once in a lifetime, hopefully, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it throws off throws everything <laughs> off. So I don't know. It better be once in a lifetime. So <laughs> uh, I, mean, I, I don't know if I'll make it through the next one. <laughs> So uh, we got to get through this one. First, Hopefully we make it through this one. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Only 10% uh, of the you, American you population. You and I are in a different age it. bracket. Than yeah. 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 Xavier is fine. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm in, uh, uh, we're older than Xavier and I got one of the three strikes. I'm a fatty. So, you know, <laughs> it's, it's fatty smokers and old. Uh, those are the three that are getting it real bad. So, 
uh, I ne oh. never smoked and I'm not old yet, but I am oh, a fatty. So, uh, we'll, we'll stay, stay away from Lake Lanier too, please. You, please, what are you? We, we need you. Come on. Yeah, yeah, I, it was, <laughs> I was nowhere near that place. First off, yeah. I can't swim, so don't you? You'll never see me next to a lake. A, a you body can't water. swim. No. no. Are you serious? I can give you a strong doggy paddle. That's about it. That's oh, all I got. Man, we're gonna have to. You're gonna have to come out here. And we'll we'll teach you that every single house oh, here oh. has a pool. So yeah, because you guys need some type of cold water to get to. I'm not I mean, kidding. It was my buddy got in his car and took a picture, and it was 126 degrees. Come so, on, who yeah. then doesn't want to jump in the pool that's in your backyard? Like, well, well, the problem is, is at 126, <laughs> the the water starts to bubble. You know that that's <laughs> you, you look in there like, am I going to swim or cook in here? What is happening? So, but that it, it rained here for two days, and I had to turn my air conditioning off. So. Yeah, see, well, I I have uh, my, <laughs> my air conditioning is rattling. Uh, Scott, because... can, Scott can make ramen in his pool, and you're turning <laughs> your air conditioning off. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's hot. I don't I don't know. Did you guys see? Uh, I think it was United Arab Emirates got up to like 155 degrees the other day. And they want to have the World Cup out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> yeah, Enjoy exactly. Dude, I saw some of the, like, so many people have died making those stadiums out there for the World Cup. It's insane. And I saw, like, they want to make these giant drones to, to like, block out the sun yes. so that there's shadow on the stadium. That is a for real thing. That's yes. not even a joke. They want to make like the Avengers drone thing that that saved Sokovia or whatever and just block out the sun with some shadows. It's ridiculous. So uh, good luck with all that. Uh, that. That's why that's why we're watching American football over here. So uh, but that is going to wrap it up for us today on this show. Unless I missed any quotes, I have been spacey today, so I apologize <laughs> for everyone. Uh, but but uh, please follow us on Twitter. Uh, at Bogman Sports for me, at CFB Winning Edge for Nick, at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E for Xavier. Check out the Patreon, too. What do we have coming up on Patreon this month, Nick? Schedule changes for the most part. Yeah. Uh, doing some uh, some player projections as well. Hoping to dig into that a little bit now that the internet is up and running as it should. And uh, hopefully those will be done by the end of the month. Pretty, pretty excited about those, at least in the long term. Well, at least have uh, groundwork laid for those, depending on, you know, what the, this season actually looks like. But uh, that's the, the next big project. Have some uh, other things in the works and, and sort of some contingency plans uh, for if things get pushed back a little bit. So, uh, you know, at the very least, even if there's not games or if games are, are happening later than we uh, expected, hopefully that means more value for uh, our patrons. And, and we'll get back to the conference previews next week. And we'll be prepped for when the season starts. Uh, we know that. Uh, I mean, that's like eight months of baseball prep for me. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for baseball to start. But that is going to wrap it up for us. We will see you guys next week. Have a good weekend. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Socially distance. Wear your mask. We'll see you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody. Thank you.